Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Well, hello everybody. This is Will Dykstra. I am sitting in for Terry this weekend as he is uh, out on one of his uh, special assignments again. And I'll tell you what, it is uh, hands down, this is this is one of my favorite times of year in Colorado. We have got uh, a lot going on today. Um, this is actually a, uh, I'd consider this a, a, a big weekend for, for Colorado sportsmen and Colorado outdoorsmen. Uh, we have just got a ton going on in the state right now. Uh, this weekend as we speak, which makes it hard to be in here, is the Archery Elk and Deer Opener, which uh, means that a lot of you that might have normally been listening are more than likely out in the woods, uh, hopefully chasing a big bull or, or, or a big buck right now. So anyhow, but no, Will Dykstra here, guys, really happy to be in studio and uh, just loved having the opportunity to do this to uh, talk to you guys out there about some of the awesome things we got going on in Colorado as well as outside of Colorado, and we're going we're gonna to hammer on a bunch of different topic, topics today. We're going to talk some elk hunting later in the day. We've got Nick Smith, the informative fisherman, coming on to talk about big swim bait fishing for bass, and uh, we've got some great state park segments coming up as well. But uh, without uh, cutting into too much time in this segment, uh, the first segment today, we're going to be talking about uh, what, you know, first of all, what's going on in the state. We hammered on uh, the archery elk opener, the archery deer opener. It's also uh, tomorrow, for those of you uh, wing shooters out there, tomorrow uh, the dove season opens, which is another, uh, you know, kind of one of those weekends in the year that everybody's waiting for. And I'll tell you what, li- I live just a little bit east of I-25, and I'm seeing a ton of doves start flying through. Uh, so it should be a great dove season. The dove forecast is awesome. And uh, not to mention the fact that for those of you elk hunters and deer hunters that are out there, uh, it's also the grouse season opens up tomorrow. So that's, uh, you know, we got a lot going on as hunters in the state. But for me personally, being a fisherman, a professional angler, um, this is hands down uh, one of the best times of year as we get into this sort of fall transition time of year uh, to start targeting some of these fish. And I'll tell you what, someone that's on the water um, as much as I am to see what these fish are doing, uh, not just not just here on the front range, but see what they're doing up in the mountains. We're starting to see cooler nights and uh, lower water, lower surface temperatures, which uh, immediately indicates to me that we're we're on the cusp of this fall transition bite, which which can hands down uh, produce some of the most fish of the year and also start producing some of the biggest fish of the year as these fish really start to put the uh, the chow on uh, to stock up for the winter. So. Uh, for those of you fishermen, you know, if somebody's asked me right now, you know, where would I go? Where should I go? It's, it's you know, it's a long weekend. Uh, what's what's going to be my best bet to get out and catch some fish? And I'll be honest with you right now, uh, we have been doing a ton of fishing up in the South Park area. Spinny, Spinny Mountain Reservoir has absolutely been dynamite lately for both pike and trout. Uh, so so that's a great opportunity right there. And, again, like I said, with these these cooler cooler temperatures at night, we're starting to get that surface temperature to cool down. We're starting to see these trout get really active and, and start hitting a lot more of the conventional stuff. You know, the, the midsummer to late summer is, is a pretty uh, typical or, or, you know, it's a great time of year to be fishing, fishing up there, for, especially for the big trout with a fly rod. And uh, now these fish are not necessarily just focused on eating bugs, and you can catch them on a, lo- a lot of different ways conventionally, which we're going to touch on here shortly. Um, and then as far as the pike fishing goes, uh, the top water season, we're starting to see to see that start start to kind of fizzle off a little bit. But when those fish uh, stop hitting top water, uh, that means that we're going subsurface with big swim baits. We're going subsurface with with spinner baits and stuff like that. 
and uh, we've act- we've had some absolute incredible days lately up there. Uh, lots of fish over the 36 inch mark. We had a it's it's been crazy, and this is something that's really important that I want to talk about this morning. Is um, and I actually talked a little bit with Chad Lachance last week about this. Is you want to make sure that you're hitting prime windows, you're, that you're on the water on your best spot uh, while these fish are, are feeding. Because right now, uh, you know, as we're starting to transition into this fall, uh, the fish can be a little bit lethargic with those warmer water temps throughout the day. So, you know, once those once the sun gets high, if you don't got much wind, you know, you want to make sure that you're on your prime spot when these fish are going to be feeding. And, and we talked about it last week, last week, like I said with Chad, is, is focusing on, you know, I, I pay attention to a lot of those uh, solar, the solar tables or the salooner calendar, if you, if you will, and it kind of gives you a breakdown of when these fish are going to be most active throughout the, uh, throughout the day. So make sure that you pay attention to those things. There's a whole bunch of different apps out there on your phone. I have an iPhone, so I use an, the, the iSolooner app, and that is a, uh, uh, basically will just kind of give you an idea what those windows are as far as when the moon's going to be overhead, moon underfoot, and uh, the feeding minors and the feeding majors. So, so really pay attention to that. And uh, there's th- there's not enough time in the world for me to explain that entire uh, um, system, if you will. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of information out there to check it out to see why these salooner tables are so important to pay attention to, and and how they can definitely put more fish in your, in the boat or or in the net for you. So anyhow, so uh, the we've been we've been fishing a lot out of boats up there. And but I'll tell you what, most of these fish that we're catching, we're at, we're averaging anywhere from fifty to sixty rainbows a day right now, uh, and we're catching a lot of these fish in super super skinny water. We're talking as shallow as a foot of water, and as you know, we're fishing most of the time in that one to six foot range, which means that for those of you that are shore anglers or kayak anglers or float tube anglers, uh, these fish are really accessible for you right now. You don't have to worry about trying to have to kick out too far or paddle out too far and worry about getting stuck in that South Park wind, you can literally fish, you know, I've seen a lot of guys doing really well with chest waders on. As a matter of fact, lately, uh, they've, they've probably been away, been able to get away with wearing muck boots or something because those, those fish have been so shallow that uh, you want to make sure you're not wading out too deep and actually spooking those fish. So uh, how are we catching these fish right now? You know, so speed is the name of the game. Uh, up at, up at South Park and at Spinney and 11 Mile uh, specifically, these trout are absolutely they um, they 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 cannot resist a tube jig. And for those of you fishermen out there that fish tube jigs, you think, oh, okay, well we're hopping these nice and slow, cast it out, let it sink, and uh, you know start hopping it on the bottom because the uh, whole idea behind a tube jig is to imitate a crayfish. Well, the reality is, is we're actually using these baits as a reaction strike style bait. And for those of you that have listened to the show before with me on it and, and have actually spent time with me out in the boat, I am a I am a diehard power fisherman. And when I say power fisherman, I'm talking about um, I want the I want to make the fish bite. You know, finesse fishing is, is something that, that I admittedly need to get better at. But I also believe that in those finesse situations, that there's a way that you can that you can power those fish or, or, or uh, coax those fish into biting, and that's by power fishing. So what we're doing is even when we have these hot or these high sun, flat, calm days, when these fish are lethargic, you know, I've always used this analogy. You guys have probably heard me say it a million times, but I compare these fish to to a dog. And if you roll a, a tennis ball past a dog slow, typically they might get up and kind of paw at it or something. But if you roll it fast, boom, they take off and they're after it. Um, so to me, fish, fish are no different than that. And, and when we're talking about working these baits really fast and working them with a really erratic action, uh, you can catch, 
a ton of fish doing that and even trigger these fish that are lethargic that really aren't interested in moving much just because it's in their genetics to want to chase something. If something's trying to get away, um, they typically uh, can't resist it. And it's a lot of times when when you're working something that fast, they've committed to it. By the time they've decided to burst after it, a lot of times they're going to be committed to it. And and I'll tell you what, a great example, this past week uh, up there at Spinney, we were working tube jigs a little bit slower, you know, in the in the two to three foot water, uh, two to two to three feet below the surface, and probably four to six feet of water, and we we're getting a lot of followers, but not a lot of fish catching, not a lot of fish hitting. So what I ended up doing is is uh, one of the guys actually he ended up with a, with a little bit of a knot in his line. I said, hey, reel that in real quick. Let's get that knot out. So what ended up happening is, is he was reeling it in. This tube jig was literally skipping across the surface, and now all of a sudden these fish that were that were kind of following it slow and lethargic. All of a sudden, there's two or three big cut bows literally fighting over this. It looked like something you'd see in saltwater and uh, ended up catching that fish uh, while or catching one of those fish while he was literally screaming that lure in just to kind of get it in so he could work on uh, getting the knot out of the fishing line, which kind of set the tone for the rest of the day and really set the tone for the rest of the week. And, and we've started working these baits as fast as you can possibly do it. You know, I had a guy the other day, prime example of this. Uh, you know, at Tightline, we do a lot. We do a lot of guide trips for people that are coming in from out of state. And, and I had a particular individual this week who came in from the the Gulf of Mexico. He's actually a charter captain down there. And this these guys, really good anglers, used to being around fishing. You know, they do it every day. Uh, their instinct or their goal, or, or uh, you know, in their mind, when they were having a fish follow, they'd kill that bait or let it slow down and try to spoon feed it to that fish. And I and I kind of laughed. I said, Hey guys, you know what? Have you? How much time do you spend watching Animal Planet? Because I've never seen the gazelle stop for the lion, and uh, the guys kind of laughed. They said, "Well, in saltwater, it's completely different." But the reality is, is these fish, once they've committed to chasing something, a lot of times they're going to chase it. But as soon as you slow it down to try to feed it to them, boom, the gig is up. Those fish want absolutely nothing to do with it. So keep that in mind when you're up there, especially on these lethargic, you know, high high sun type of days, flat calm types of days. Don't necessarily slow down because the fish slowed down. I'm, I'm telling you right now, you can get these fish kind of frenzied up. And what I've noticed is if you get one of these fish to get crazy active, a lot of the fish in the area tend to get crazy active, and, and they'll chase after those baits worked really fast as well. So that's kind of what I would suggest doing right now. This is, like I said, great time of year to be up in the mountains. You know, we still have some really hot days going on down here. Um, so escaping that heat, getting up there. Uh, again, the low light condition time frames are always going to be best, but... Uh, when that sun gets high, and, and if you don't have much wind going on, don't be afraid of speeding that bait up or working those baits super fast. So outside of a tube jig, what else are we using? We're using a lot of spoons, Tasmanian devils, and uh, that kind of thing, and also a jerk bait. Uh, a jerk bait is is hands down one of the most versatile baits there is. You can work it fast. You can work it super, super slow and finesse. You can just straight crank it. Um, but again, we're working these baits, literally ripping them as hard as we can. And to kind of add on to what I was talking about with those guys that came in from from uh, Florida that were fish that 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 guide on the Gulf of Mexico, they compared our spinny rainbows to bull redfish fishing, which is which is something else. You know, I haven't spent a ton of time saltwater fishing, so these fish right now they have so much burst and so much pull that uh, it's probably going to be about as close to the saltwater experience as you're going to get uh, fishing for some of these fish, especially considering we're fishing them in super skinny water. So, um. Real quick, uh, to, to, uh, to kind of touch on some other stuff we got going on, as uh, you know, I said, we're escaping the heat to get up in the mountains to catch these fish. Well, right now, 
Uh, believe it or not, there's actually a really good walleye bite happening on the Front Range. And, you know, we spend a lot of time at Chatfield Reservoir, a lot of time at Cherry Creek Reservoir, and uh, we're finding a lot of walleyes in super shallow water um, that are loving chasing those paddle tail swim baits. So um, whether you're at Cherry Creek Reservoir, whether you're at Chatfield Reservoir, um, even Pueblo Reservoir, Pueblo is definitely going to be a little bit warmer, so you might not find those fish quite as shallow. But um, at, at Chatfield in particular, you know, a lot of guys complain, well, man, there's just a lot of small fish out there right now. Well, those bigger fish are not interested at all in competing uh, with those smaller fish, those smaller fish that are really schooled up on, on uh, structure. So if you find, you know, shallow water next to weed edges or shallow water that's maybe next to a drop-off, typically that's where those larger fish are going to be out. And a lot of times you're going to find those in, in groups of three to four or maybe even one big fish. Uh, but again, you're fishing for one big fish. And the way we're doing that with these paddle tail swim baits is we're fishing, you know, a quarter ounce head with a three and a half to four and a half inch swim bait and literally casting it out, dragging it on the bottom and slow hopping it back. And a lot of times you're going to get uh, get some of your biggest bites, especially for these big walleyes here on the front range, uh, fishing those swim baits super shallow. If you're catching a bunch of little fish and you want to catch those those legal size fish, maybe to bring home to eat or you're after a trophy walleye right now, get away from the small fish abandon those those high percentage spots and start fishing some of these smaller structure areas in shallow water and you're going to catch a lot more bigger fish so anyhow well guys we uh we are up against a break here coming up next we have got uh the uh, uh darby shanks from jackson state or from jackson lake uh coming on to talk about what's going on out there cannot wait to talk to to talk to uh colorado state parks about this all right you're listening to 104.3 the fan You're listening to 104.3 The Fan. This is a Terry Wickstrom Outdoor Show. I am Will Dykstra, not Terry, uh, in studio today while Terry, again, is out on assignment. And I'll tell you what, it is an absolute beautiful day here in Colorado. We've got uh, great weather uh, for this Labor Day weekend and a lot going on. And uh, I certainly don't want to waste any time that we have because we got a lot to talk about here with Darby Shanks from uh, Colorado State Parks and Wildlife uh, from Jackson Lake State Park. Darby, how are you today? Hi there. How are you? Good. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the radio today. We're really excited to talk uh, to talk with you and also to talk about what's going on out at Jackson Lake State Park. Now, I've got a lot of things uh, that I would like to say, but I definitely want, want to hear uh, from you and, and hear about what's going on. And for those, for those uh, of, the, of you listeners out there that aren't familiar with Jackson, um, you know, maybe let's talk a little bit about where it is and, and then what you got going on out there. Sure, absolutely. So Jackson Lake State Park is located about, I would say, about 60 miles northeast of Denver area um, along the Interstate 76 corridor. We're about nine miles off of the Interstate 76 to the north. Um, So we have about 260 campsites. Of course, we're all booked this weekend. So don't be coming if you don't have a campground reservation. Um, we are still relatively full with our lake. Um, since we are an irrigation lake, you never know what our water level will be. But fishing has been hit and miss recently, but it's starting to seem to pick up a little bit more with the cooler temperatures, which is nice. But, of course, it's going to warm up this weekend. So you never know what will happen with fishing on that part. Um, let's see what else is going on. <clears throat> we have an astronomy program going on this weekend. Um we only have one inter- what we call interpretive program that's happening, which is going to be on Sunday night. Um, we have a group coming out of the metro area bringing their telescopes to let us look through their telescopes. 
Um, and so that will be happening in uh, Northview Campground around 8 p.m. till whenever people leave. So um, cool. they're going to probably be here till probably midnight or so. So um, it's a great opportunity, free of charge, if you've never been able to go and look through big, big telescopes that are very expensive um, that have great quality. That, that's cool. And now, Darby, uh, you know, something that, you know, people – the difference between being able to do this, something like that here in the metro area versus going out there to do that is the fact that there's not a ton of, of lights or, or uh, uh, unnatural lights, if you will, around. So you're actually, you know, being out there by Wiggins, Colorado, uh, you know, you don't have to you, you, you get to see everything that's going on up there in the sky. So that is an absolute really cool program to have going on out there. And, and for those of you guys that haven't done something like that before, uh, get out there, check it out. It's a, it's a really really cool uh, opportunity, but it's also something to, really cool to learn because there's a lot of stuff to learn about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we've here at the park, we've also you know done the night skies initiative. So a lot of our lighting in the park is changed over. So there's a lot less light um, that's been shining, of course. But we've always had our inter program at Northview because there's no light outdoor light up there. Um, but even with the improvements we've done throughout the park, uh, it's better that throughout most of our campgrounds where you can look at the sky a lot better. Um, so it, it's a great opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Darby, uh, me, you know, being, being a professional angler and a fishing guide, um, the, uh, Jackson Lake has kind of a special place in my heart because it's, it absolutely has some of the best fishing in the state. And it's kind of one of those under the radar places um, that a lot of people don't think about fishing. You know, you've got some of the other bigger reservoirs out there, Sterling and North Sterling. Um, and I think Jackson Lake sometimes kind of um, gets forgot about. And I'll tell you what, um, it, over the over the past few years, uh, the wiper fishing there, you have an opportunity at catching some absolute giant uh, wipers or, or white bass striper hybrids out there. And uh, those fish, if you want a fish that tugs, that that's about as good as it gets here in Colorado. And then not not to mention the fact there's, there's uh, good good walleye fishing out there. A lot of walleyes can be caught in super shallow water, you know, bass fishing for them almost. And uh, you got some good pan fishing out there as well. Yes, yeah. Our fishing was pretty hot uh, in the early spring for sure. Um, a lot of people have been catching the smaller wipers, you know, they're, but we have the big ones out there. I know it, um, especially after they did the gill netting this last year. Um, awesome numbers, so there's plenty of good fish out there, especially the walleye and the wipers. Yeah, and, and something that's cool, you know, and you hammered on it earlier, is the fact that it is a uh, an irrigation reservoir. So being able to fish this lake when it's full like this in August or September, um, that usually doesn't happen. You know, and we've had so much, we had so much rain and snow this year um, that being able to keep these reservoirs full will will help keep that fish that fish population healthy as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's awesome. We've had water, which is unusual for the last almost four years, I believe, maybe five, um, all the way through the season. So it's, that's highly unusual. But, yes, especially this year, um, we didn't think we'd have this much water. But Mother Nature, you know, blessed us all that we have great snowpack up in the mountains. So the river was flowing good. So yeah, it, we've only been releasing a little bit of water. So right now we're only about three feet down from normal. So there is still plenty of plenty of water to launch in and play water to play in so absolutely now darby uh another reason that i that i that i was excited that i was able to talk with you today is the fact that uh we host uh the company i work for tightline outdoors we host the world's largest ice fishing tournament series and we're actually going to be planning an event out there at jackson lake this year um it's it's a new location for us to be at but again last week on these airwaves we announced 
um, that all of our ice addiction tournaments are going to be uh, a $10,000 cash first place prize. And this year we are really excited to bring that out to Jackson Lake. Now, um, I know it's August or I guess for one more day, August, and uh, right. it's early in the year, uh, but you know, a lot of ice fishermen are really passionate here in Colorado. And if you can, uh, you know, talk about some of the ice fishing opportunities that end up that, that you have out there. Well, it's been limited, but because um, we always encourage, you never know what our ice situation is going to be out here for sure. Right. Um, but most of the people we send towards the dam, of course, that's where our thicker ice is. Um, they've had some good luck this last year um, pulling crop and walleye out through the ice, which is kind of unusual for us because um, usually you'll hear about channel catfish, of course, some of the trout. Right. But not walleye, right. usually. Right, and, and, and they were catching some nice ones, though, I heard, um, through the ice this last, last winter. Um, usually, you know, the two there's three areas, depending. Um, I mean, we let people go almost anywhere. Right. Um, but the thicker ice is going to be around the dam. Sometimes right. the inlet, unless the inlet is running. Right. Um, where they're filling the lake or the around the boat ramp area. But I do know a lot of people were using the west shoreline area yeah. this past year. And since we're changing our campgrounds, which ones are going to remain open through the winter, right. um, you're going to have a lot more accessibility um, so you don't have to walk as far as where I, what I'm saying. That's is, awesome. Uh, Excellent. The I, late, our Lakeside Cove and Pelican campgrounds are going to stay open year-round now instead of um, a couple of our north ones. Absolutely. So, well, cool. Well, yeah. Dar well, Darby, and, and you know, you, you said earlier, you know, you know, you never know with ice conditions, and that's actually one of the reasons that we we chose Jackson Lake this year is the fact we've been kind of studying ice trends the last few years, and Jackson's actually had the 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 most fishable ice for any warm water speed or warm water fishery basically on the front range, um, the last several years. So that's a big reason we're coming out there, and again, really excited to bring this series to to Eastern Colorado as well. So yeah, that's crazy. But I do know last year we must have been in a little area because it seemed like we had pretty good thick ice for some time. So yeah, there was a lot of people heading out there to to fish to ice fish because Chatfield and Cherry Creek and places like that didn't have ice. So like I said, we're really excited to be out there. And uh, can't wait to work with you guys some more in the future. Uh, but anyway, Darby, we're up against a break here. Thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the radio to talk about Jackson Lake. Again, it is a really special state park, a lot of opportunities, and definitely something everybody, everybody wants to head west. And uh, there's some really cool opportunities east of I-25 right there off the I-76 corridor. Um, again, Jackson Lake State Park is right by Wiggins, Colorado. And, uh, yeah, get out there. Check it out. There's a lot to do. All right. Thank you so much. All right, Darby. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Uh -huh. Well, we are going to be uh, having Travis Duncan, another uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife um, segment coming up. We are talking. Uh, he's a public information officer, and we're going to be talking about um, some of the, the access opportunities that you have here in Colorado. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right, guys. Well, Will Dykstra is sitting in studio here today uh, for Terry, who's out on assignment. And uh, we've, like I said earlier, we've just got a lot going on in, in uh, the Colorado outdoors this weekend. And uh, it's kind of the kickoff of what I would consider the fall season or the fall time frame with archery elk opening up, archery deer opening up. We've got a handful of bird seasons uh, that will open up tomorrow, uh, the dove season, as well as the uh, the, uh, the dusky grouse or the sooty grouse season up there in the high country. So there's a lot going on. 
And uh, my next guest that I have here on the radio is Travis Duncan, who is a public information officer for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, the hunting access and, and, and whatnot that's expanded here in Colorado and, and what we have uh, for you as hunters to hunt some public ground. So, uh, Travis, how are we doing today? Doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, Will. Yeah, really excited to talk to you, Travis. You know, um, as somebody that grew up here in Colorado, grew up in the outdoors, uh, fishing and hunting, you know, access is something that hasn't always been the easiest thing for us to find, and access hasn't necessarily, uh, you know, the places that are accessible typically get inundated with a lot of people, and that's something that, that Parks and Wildlife has done a great job with, whether it's partnering with uh, with GoCo, um, you know, Colorado Lottery, stuff like that, to try to expand some of these areas to give the, uh, you know, those of us that don't have access to, to private property to hunt and fish, um, places to go and where you're not going to be running into a million people. Now, we're going to talk about some of this on the air, so by all means, we're probably going to start seeing some more people in some of these areas. But, you know, like I said, that's something really cool that Parks and Wildlife has done and continues to do to preserve our public lands. So Definitely, yeah. We're really excited about about the expansion of the public access program. Yeah, so, so you know, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, you know, so... Um, you know, go ahead. Talk about what what is the the expansion of this public access is. Definitely. So, um, just as an explanation, I guess of of state trust lands in Colorado, they operate. Uh, state trust lands can operate differently in different states. In Colorado, we have uh, about three million acres of of state trust land, but but you can't hunt or recreate on all of it. Um, what what happens is uh, we have a lease agreement through with Colorado Parks and Wildlife uh, with the state to to use certain amount of lands and then the money that the state earns goes toward Colorado public schools. So um, in, for example, in total trust land leases have earned $1.4 billion for Colorado public schools just in the past decade. So um, it's an important program. It's a, it's a big way we fund public public schools, but our public access program uh, with Colorado parks and wildlife that's funded uh, with hunter and angler license dollars. That's how we open up these new lands. Um, so back in July, uh, parks and wildlife commission made a commitment uh, to to open up uh, up to 1 million acres uh, over the course of the next three years. Um, and so these lands that are going to, to open up starting actually tomorrow, uh, starting September 1st, are, are, the, are the first of what's going to be even more expansion coming over the next few years. So um, we're, we're going from almost a half million acres to nearly a million acres with this expansion uh, this year. Um, actually, I'm sorry, we're going from, from 480,000 to about 580,000 this year, but then over the, we're going to add 200,000 acres each year over the next two years. So with the goal being within three years, we have 1 million more acres opened up for hunters and anglers to access in Colorado. That, that is so cool. And, you know, like I said, for someone that grew up here, fishing here, hunting here, um, you know, back in the day when we used paper maps to look at stuff and you'd always look at these areas that are state trust lands, but you can't get to them, even though they're the state land, you know, and technically, you know, they could be considered public land. Um, you can't access them, and, you know, so being able to have an opportunity to access some of these areas, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, um, getting into uh, to places that, have, that are kind of untouched, especially as a fisherman, as a hunter. So um, I don't know if you can or not, uh, Travis, but, can, you know, what are some of these areas that people should be looking looking at um, to maybe uh, take advantage of these opportunities? Definitely. I, I'm not sure um, if my connection's a little bad. I, I, were you asking about some of the opportunities on these different properties? Yes. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, what are some of these areas that people can look at or, or look forward to seeing, uh, you know, to gain access to? Or I don't even know if you can share that or not, or if you guys have 
exact details, but um, you know, so may, maybe a handful of uh, spots where fishermen could go that where there is definitely going to be some opportunities to fish, and maybe some areas where hunters can go. Definitely, yeah. I I know you're a a big a big angler, Will. So I was trying to look and see, you know, which ones you might be most excited about. Um, one of the ones that's opening up, and a lot of these properties, I'll say, are either they're going to be in in the eastern part of the state, in the eastern plains of Colorado. It's going to be more small game hunting, more bird hunting, uh, some, you know, enhanced fishing opportunities or expanded opportunities, but it's kind of those parcels that, um, you know, it's not the, the Northwest, you know, necessarily big game hunting opportunities you, you think of, but more small game and looking for those maybe un overlooked parcels in the past that might actually provide some good, uh, good bird hunting or good small game hunting. Now, now um, you're speaking one- my language right there, Travis. Uh, you know, I, again, like I said, Growing up, I did a lot of pheasant hunting as a kid, and we used to just leave Colorado to go pheasant hunting because there wasn't enough public ground. So uh, for those of you bird hunters out there, pheasant hunters, duck hunters, this is huge. These are some, these are some cool opportunities. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, Travis. Yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's exactly right. Um, so one of the, the properties that I thought uh, might be of interest, especially to you, Will, was the Blue Lake property, which is um, outside of Arlington, Colorado. This is southeast Colorado. It's 41,564 acres uh, are opening up, uh, available to, um, let's see, game species found on property includes, there are some deer and pronghorns, so some big game, but also coyote, rabbit, upland game birds, and waterfowl. Um, the access period is going to be September 1st through the end of February. Um, and it's also, in terms of fishing, that you have um, you have access at the Adobe Creek Reservoir there. So, um might so, be worth looking into uh, checking out on our hunting atlas. So, so that's that's what I would consider the uh, you know in sports we talk about five tool players. Uh, that sounds like the five tool uh, opportunity there. You got bird hunting, big game hunting. You have got some fishing, um, you know, s- small game hunting, uh, varmint hunting, stuff like that. So that's that's a cool one. That's the one I'm really excited about. And, and for those of you bird hunters out there, there's actually a really good population of scaled quail down there. Um, so that's you know, a great opportunity to get out and, and take advantage of this program um, that Colorado Parks and Wildlife is, is is doing. So, again, and this is something that, you know, like you said earlier, our, our hunting and fishing license dollars are going in towards this. So we're seeing a big benefit immediately from that. So, uh, Travis, I appreciate you coming on today. We're up against a break here. Um, if people are looking to, to try to figure out where these public land or where these access places are going to be, uh, where should they look online? So go check out the Colorado Hunting Atlas. Uh, that's where we're, we'll have all the information in there on these new properties. Um, you can also check out CBW's maps area and, and look for some of the, the details on these properties. And if you find one you're interested in, again, the names are Blue Lake, Queens, Pawnee Valley, and we're also going to have some uh, dove hunting opening up at Brett Gray Ranch. So check out those awesome. areas. Um, go to Colorado Hunting Atlas, check them out. And then if you see something that looks interesting, uh, call call Colorado Parks and Wildlife, call a hunt planner, talk to them, you know, get some more details. Uh, that number is 303-291-PLAN, uh, and they, they can help set you up for your hunt. Awesome. That is so cool. Travis, hey, thank you so much for coming on. We're up against a break here. Guys, please take advantage of this, and that's something. We've got a lot of resources with Colorado Parks and Wildlife here where they can literally help you plan your hunt, like Travis was just saying. So take advantage of this. Uh, Travis, thank you again for coming on. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Will. All righty, guys. You're listening to 104.3 The Fan.
You're listening to the Terry Worsham Outdoors Show on 104.3 The Fan. I'm Will Dexter in studio today covering for Terry, and it, like we have had a great show so far today. We've covered a lot, everything from fishing in Colorado to some of our state park opportunities and uh, some of our public land access as well. And uh, my next guest I have coming on, I'm really excited about having him on. His name's Charlie Terrell, and he's with an organization called the Barnet Rock Fence. And uh, if you guys were listening to the show last weekend, you heard Nathan Zielinski announce it, which I announced earlier on the, the when we were talking to the um, Jackson Lake State Park um, uh, gal, Darby Shanks, is the fact that we're going to be having a huge prize list here um, for our Ice Addiction Tournament Series. And with that prize list, we have a $10,000 first place prize at every event for the heaviest single fish caught. And uh, the, a big part of making that happen is, is the Barnet Rock Fence. So uh, without wasting any more time, I'm bringing Charlie Terrell, who's a project manager for the Barnet Rock Fence, on the phone right now to talk about what the Barnet Rock Fence does and, and how important it is that we do this for, uh, for those, those that have served our country. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing well, Will. How are you? You know, I'm ab- I'm doing absolutely great. You know, it is a uh, a beautiful day here in Colorado. We've got a lot going on. Uh, the fishing is great right now. Um, some of our elk and deer seasons have opened up, so uh, there's just a lot going on. In fact, uh, um, I kind of wish I was outside right now and not, and not behind a microphone. But I'll tell you what, uh, get- <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. I feel you completely. Get, get, um, we're get- we're really excited to to be on and and to be a part of um, um, Ice Addiction Outdoors. Um, yeah, a little bit about the barn at Rock Fence. We, um, part of our mission statement is our dedication to educate, empower, and enrich military veterans and their families through engagement with nature and, uh, naturally doing so, uh, partnering with a, a great partner like Ice Addiction Outdoors is going to do that. Um, hopefully we're going to have some, some veterans out and their families who have never gone ice fishing before. Um, and it's just going to be, uh, be a great time. You know, Charlie, and so, I love what you're saying, you know, as far as trying to get these guys back out in the outdoors and something, you know, that we talked about when we were working on all this together is the fact that, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we do a lot or, or we try our hardest. And obviously, I don't think we do enough, but but there's a lot of opportunities out there for, for veterans that, that have served or disabled veterans. And, and something that, that a lot of people don't necessarily think about is the fact that, um, you know, we'll, we'll send vet, we'll send veterans out on hunts, you know, and it's just a veteran that gets to go. But something that we came up with, you know, in this whole process is the fact that we want to make sure that we get um, not just our veterans out, um, but their family members out, maybe their kids, maybe maybe a brother, um, obviously spouses, that kind of thing, because um, those are the, they're the people that get left at home and, and, you know, getting back and kind of getting everybody reacclimated and, again, getting them in the outdoors um, is something that's really cool. And, and the fact that we have this opportunity to work with you guys and, and ice addiction um, is the perfect setting for that because it, it's a really social uh, style of event and uh, something that's really unique about ice fishing versus some of the other uh, fishing and hunting type of activities that you do is it's a really easy one to get into. It doesn't require a lot of money to get started. You really, all you need is a bucket and a nice, or a bucket and a fishing rod. It doesn't even need to be a, a, a nice fishing rod and you can get out there and catch some fish. Um, but again, being able to partner up with you guys and, and bring uh, these veterans and their family members to these events um, to not only be a part of it, but to, to compete. And also, you know, they all have a shot at that $10,000 uh, first place prize as well. Right, right. And and you, uh, you know, let me allude to something that you said. You, you're dead on the money. The, the families are the missing element. And that's, you know, we, we saw a need for that. And uh, when the Barnet Rock fence, uh, you know, came to fruition, we, uh, we decided that's what we were going to focus on is families. Um, 
you know, like you said, you know, during deployment, there are so many relationships that are uh, lost and changed. And, and when the, when the, uh, the soldier comes back, man or woman, um, to get reacclimated and, and to, you know, a lot of things can happen in the time that they've been deployed, things through the, that their kids don't understand and their, and their wives or husbands don't understand. And, and a lot of those times that the, the, uh, the programs that they're going through, uh, mental or physical rehabilitation, do not include the families. Um, you know, and study after study has shown that, you know, spending time in nature reduces stress and anxiety, depression, aggression, and obviously the reduction in those negative things improves the happiness and social relationships. So to be able to do those kind of things with family members is a huge plus um, in rebuilding those bonds. Uh, psychologists have they even called that the green prescription. So I guess partnering with ice addiction, we can call it the ice prescription. So <laughs> we're, we go. We're, we're really excited. I, I like that, the ice prescriptions. Yeah, you know, so, Charlie, that's something, you know, and, and like I said, there's there's a lot of programs out there. Um, but something that you guys are doing is really, you know, you guys have kind of kind of designated a niche that that's, uh, you know, allowing these people to get out there, um, given some opportunity. Um, you know, at first it might not be comfortable for them. But, but again, that's why we're doing this, because the people that have, that have spent time serving – um, and the family members and the family, the, you know, the, the family members that get left behind, you know, they this is something, you know, for me as somebody that, 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 that certainly didn't serve. But I've had really close uh, members or close people in my family that have served um, really good friends that have served. And, you know, sometimes you don't come back the same. And, and but I'll tell you what, the more time people spend in the outdoors, you know, more often than not, um, it kind of helps reacclimate you, if you will. Certainly, certainly. It really it really does. And I I've, I've, I have. I have helped being a part of of um, doing serving our fellow veterans for on and off for you know probably a total of five years and and you know I, I can see differences in people from the moment they step up to an event um, and the time that they leave and it's it's really you know rewarding and and uh, you know it's letting us the barn at Rock Fence be able to do our little small part uh, in the world of of helping others so. Um, and two, I want to give just a little bit of info about how to sign up. Um, you know, I think uh, with partnering with Ice Addiction Outdoors, we've got 30 spots. Um, and you, if you go on rockfence.org, that is our website, and there is a, um, uh, a tab on the top left. You can just hit that drop-down box. You'll come up to Retreats, and under Retreats, you'll see Ice Addiction. And if you'll follow that, scroll that down, you will see it's. We're actually doing an application process, um, uh, kind of a, a screening process, um, and just sign up for it that way. And then also, um, if they need more information, you can email info at thebarngroup.org. Okay, so info at thebarngroup.org is if if you're interested in getting some info, if you can't find what you need on on the website, but um, you know something to think about. And, and Charlie, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, so this is something that, that um, you as a veteran, if you're out there and this is something you want to be involved in um, and you want to get back in the outdoors, you haven't spent a lot of time in the outdoors and something you feel like you need, uh, by all means, uh, fill out that application. But, if, but uh, maybe more importantly, if you're a family member uh, of someone that served and uh, certainly, you, you feel certainly. like it's something that, that's you're again, you're dead nail on the head. It's a. Uh, you know, the, the whole nomination process, um, you know, it, it could be a big surprise for somebody and it could be could be something that really turns uh, a family member's life around. So certainly not not just if you are a veteran yourself, but if you're a family member and, and see that need, please go on there again, rockfence.org. 
rockfence.org, one word, R-O-C-K-F-E-N-C-E.org, and uh, and hit that application. And uh, it's just real easy, step-by-step, follow along, and, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Perfect, Charlie. Again, you know, like you said, if you're a family member that, that wants to get involved with this and wants maybe your dad, your brother, your mom, you know, whoever's maybe served, you know, this is a great way to bring families closer together. And uh, so fill out that fill out that application. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, it's something where you can get selected and be a part of this because it is a lot of fun. And for those of you that have not uh, partaken in an ice addiction tournament series event, um, these are a lot of fun. You know, it's we, we, we eliminate the whole the whole cheating factor by uh, by pre drilling all the holes with no shelters. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say that it's luck that wins these things. But I'll tell you what, this, a, lot, a lot of people we see on the podium the same time uh, over and over. So it tells you there's a lot of skill involved. But, again, for those of you that are new to ice fishing and you want to get out, um, this is a great opportunity. And, again, the Barnet Rock Fence um, partnering up with us and, and helping us get that $10,000 first place prize at every single event is absolutely huge. And, again, supporting this event is, is supporting our veterans as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the biggest part is coming out and, and supporting the vets and, and having a good time while doing it. Absolutely, Charlie. Well, hey, thanks a lot. I, I think you're on your way to Illinois for, for a hunt of some kind. Um, so, or, uh, or actually, actually doing the in Illinois right now, trying to get ground ready. And, and, and that's one of the things, you know, partnering partnering with y'all put us even farther out, um, you know, in the West. We're, we're nationwide. We've got events, uh, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, Louisiana. Um, I'm bringing a veteran here in Illinois to to do some deer hunting. So we're uh, we're we're really growing and moving forward and really touching lives. Well, like I said, Charlie, we're excited about being a partner with you, but even more excited about the opportunity to make a difference. So, uh, Charlie, sure. thanks for coming on. And again, uh, that's the barn, uh, or wait, it's the it's rockfence.org. Is that's the correct. Okay, so the Rock Fence at ORG, uh, check that out, and uh, we got more bigger things to come uh, with the Barnet Rock Fence. So, Charlie, thanks for coming on. Uh, you got you have a good rest of your weekend. Enjoy this Labor Day weekend, and, and uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you, Will. You too. All right, that's Charlie Terrell with the Rock Fence, or with the Barnet Rock Fence. And again, guys, if I can't stress this enough, if you uh, want to be involved in this, if you want to uh, get your family member involved in this, I encourage you to get on their website, fill out that application. And, uh, and be a part of it because this is something uh, where we really want to make sure that, that we're able to do something for our veterans and their families um, that, that, that gets them, you know, reacclimated and, and, and might, might even build more relationships. So check it out. And, again, I encourage you guys to come out to that Ice Addiction event. They're going to be a lot of fun this year. And, again, having that opportunity to win and uh, potentially a $10,000 first-place prize, that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, anyhow, guys, uh, we're coming up next. We've got Matt Ensley, uh, one of my uh, – uh, co-workers here at Tightline Outdoors. We're going to be talking some more fishing coming up. So you're listening to 104.3 The Fan.